morning, church. Good morning. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to... Uh, well, just go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we'll meet there in just a little bit. Dustin, thank you for those songs. Thank you, gentlemen, for leading us in our worship today. Do you remember toward the end? Tyler, I don't have control here. Okay, there we go. Do you remember toward the end of King Saul's reign in Israel? How God rejected him? Then God sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse. And God said to Samuel, For I have provided myself a king among his sons. Jesse brought all of his sons, all but one of course, to the sacrifice with Samuel. And when Samuel saw the first son, he said in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 6, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me, before him. But do you remember God's response to that statement by the prophet Samuel? God said, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God is able to see the heart of man. But how can we see the heart of someone? Or better yet, how can we see and know the heart of God? You see, the heart is the central part of a person. The heart is the nature of a person. And to know the heart of someone is to know that person's innermost character, thoughts, feelings, and inclinations. While it's true, we cannot see a person's heart or have the ability to read a person's mind. But an individual will freely reveal what is in his heart when they talk and by their actions. For example, take a spring of water. No one can see the spring. But they see what the spring produces and then it indicates where the spring is. And it's the same way with the heart. We know what is in the unseen world of, of a person's heart precisely because it's made known, it's evident, it's manifest in their words and in their actions. So how can we know the heart of God? God has given us by inspiration His holy word. And in our next lesson, that's what we're going to talk about. But today we want to talk about and focus on another way that we can see and know the heart of God and that's by his action. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this morning we want to think about seeking the heart of God and understanding that and knowing that by the evidence and by action on our own. First of all, the evidence of the heart of God is what I want us to notice. 
I also want you to bear in mind this morning that we're going to share several scriptures. So you don't have to write down each scripture. But if you want to write down each scripture reference, that will be helpful later in your study. You see, no one can truly know the heart of God without first knowing and trusting Christ. Jesus revealed the Father, Paul says... In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul said, He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus and the Father are one. And Christ revealed that. Jesus said in John 10 and verse 30, I and the Father are one. And then Jesus dying on the cross for the world and being resurrected to bring life to those who believe in him and obey him vividly presents the love, the judgment, the mercy, and the grace, and the salvation of God. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So we can see the heart of God revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. But how has that been made known in the past? And how is that made known to people today? By the proclamation or the sharing of the gospel. If you haven't already turned in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15, go ahead and do that. And we'll meet there in just a minute. So what is the gospel? If it's through the proclamation of the gospel, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a translation of the Greek word euangelion. If you break that word down, the EU means good, the angeleon means message. Another similar word is that of angelos. It means messenger, or it's the Greek uh, word for angel. And then also the verb form, euangelizo, is to, means to announce the good news. The noun occurs 76 times in the New Testament. In the Pauline letters, 56 times. But notice in Paul's letters, his understanding does not refer to a book about Jesus. The word focuses on the person of Jesus Christ and what God has done for us through Jesus. And in Paul's letters, the verb form of this word occurs 21 times. In Mark's gospel, eight times. In Matthew's gospel, the noun occurs four times in the verb once. And then the verb form occurs 54 times in the New Testament. And almost half of those occurrences are found in the book of Luke and Acts. In the New Testament, Times, this word does not refer to a book or writing, but to a proclamation our message. The four Gospels proclaim the good news by telling stories about the life and the death of Jesus, his birth, his ministry, his miracles, his teaching, his last days, his crucifixion and resurrection. And then Paul writes the core of the message of what he calls the gospel in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that, which, that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. 
And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So according to the definition of the word gospel, euangelion, and that of the Apostle Paul, we understand the gospel then means the good news of Jesus. What God has done for and what God has extended to mankind. His love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness and salvation found in Jesus Christ. In His death, in His burial, in His resurrection. And folks, that is good news. That's the gospel. So how do we go about seeking the heart of God through Christ and through the gospel? Well, first of all, I think we, the Bible tells us we need to obey the gospel. Paul wrote to the church at Rome. Listen to what he says, Romans 10, 16 and 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. We don't use that term much anymore. Paul says, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And to the church at Thessalonica, Paul speaking about when Jesus returns and the appeasement of wrath through Jesus Christ. When he comes in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So how does a person obey the gospel? Turn to your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. And we'll meet there in just a minute. Do you remember what Paul said of the gospel? In 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, he says, I declare to you the gospel which I preach, the gospel of Jesus. And then verses 3 and 4, he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Then do you remember what Paul wrote in, in the book of Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into His death, baptized into Christ, were baptized into His death, therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Look at Acts chapter 2. When Peter stands up and preaches that first gospel sermon. He preached about Jesus. He preached about Jesus dying on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. He preached about Jesus being buried in the grave. And he preached about Jesus' resurrection. And when those people heard that gospel sermon preached, this was their response Acts 2 verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Thus and let us in the song in need. I don't know if that moved you. I hope it did. We stand in need of a Savior. Because of sin. 
And when these people heard that, they were cut to the heart. They were moved. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? How do we respond to the gospel that's being preached? Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized. What is that? Being buried? Paul says it's in, it's in that baptism because we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus went to the cross and He died for our sins. And He was buried. And, and then it's in that death, that action of going down in that watery grave, that we're connected to the death and the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received the word were baptized that day, and about 3,000 souls were added to them. So how does one obey the gospel? Well, they hear the gospel preached. They hear the gospel message shared, the good news of Jesus Christ. How Jesus died for our sins. He shed His blood. He was buried in that grave and then He rose again. And then we too can take those same actions. Coming in contact with the blood of Christ through faith in that watery grave of baptism. To be cleansed of our sins through the blood of Christ. To rise as a new person. Paul goes on to say, when we do that, the body of sin has been done away with. That doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It means now we have a Savior. Now we have an advocate to the Father. The first... The way we seek the heart of God as we obey the gospel. The second way is that we live the gospel. In other words, we live with Christ in our lives. Like that stream of water. No one can see the spring, but what the spring produces. And then they, we, a person can know where the spring is. In the same way, people can see Christ in our life by our words and by our actions. Paul said in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together from, for the faith of the gospel. To the young man Timothy, Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example of, to the believers in word and conduct, in love and spirit and faith and in purity. Peter also wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. In 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, Peter says, Having your conduct honorable before the Gentiles or those in the world, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. So how do we seek, seek the heart of God? We obey the gospel that He's extended to us. We live out that gospel in our lives. And then thirdly this morning, we share the gospel. At the end of the gospel of Matthew and Mark, we have recorded what we call the Great Commission. 
The sending out of Jesus' apostles to share the gospel with everyone. When Saul was persecuting Christians, notice what the Christians did in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4. Therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. That's Christians. That's not just the apostles. That's not just Timothy and Titus. That's not just preachers. That's Christians. They went about sharing, preaching the word. Luke says, when the apostles had preached Christ in Samaria, and when they, as they left, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Acts chapter 8 and verse 25. No doubt, as they taught it, and as others obeyed it, they also commissioned them to teach others as well. In fact, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And here we are today. Because this commission has been followed, because this commission has been passed down through the generations, we are here today as New Testament Christians. Aren't you thankful? But what about the generations after us? If we do not continue to share the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, then others will not have the opportunity to hear this amazing message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God has extended to mankind. They will not have the opportunity to obey it, to live it, and to share it. You see, it's up to us, church. It's up to us to seek the heart of God by making sure we have obeyed the gospel, by making sure we live out the gospel in our lives, by making sure we share the gospel with others. You see, the gospel is so important to seeking the heart of God. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Remember what Jesus said, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, not obeying the gospel is a serious matter. It's a matter of heaven or hell. The guarantee given to those who possess eternal life in Christ, having obeyed the gospel, having lived it out and shared with others, is that they will never perish. Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Amen? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Then you ask, how can a loving God send a person to hell? How can a loving God send a person to hell? 
According to Scriptures, in particular Genesis chapter 3, the Bible tells us that sin entered the world in the, in the temptation of Adam and Eve by Satan. As a result, mankind has been separated from a right relationship with God. You see, it's our sin. It's sin that condemns us. We need to proclaim that to the world. It's not Jesus, it's sin that condemns us. It's sin that sends a person to the devil's hell. But what has God done? What has a loving God done? He's done everything He possibly can. I stand in need of a Savior. That's what a loving God has done. We sang the song, and I hope that song moved you too. It's become, becoming another one of my most favorite songs. How deep the Father's love. When my sin condemns me to the devil's hell, God, the loving God of the universe, sent Jesus to the cross for me and for you. What has a loving God done? He has given of Himself so I don't have to spend eternity in the devil's hell. That's what God has done. He's provided a way of salvation. He has provided us the gospel of Jesus Christ. The opportunity to obey it. The opportunity to live it. And the opportunity to share it. So we can spend eternity with Him and the faithful. And so others can too. And our question today is, have you obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ? Those aren't my words. Those are the words of God inspired in His holy word. Obey the gospel. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? The gospel has been presented in numerous lessons and classes and primarily in the word of God through Jesus Christ. Have you obeyed that gospel because of faith in Him, willing to die with Jesus Christ in the watery grave of baptism, therefore coming in contact with His death and His blood, the precious blood that was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, to rise out of that watery grave, a new person, the body of sin being done away with, So that in that great day, we can enjoy the ultimate resurrection. Are you living out the gospel in your life today? If not, are you ready to do so? Are you committed to do so? You see, that's what it takes to seek the heart of God. Obeying the gospel that He handed down. Living out that gospel in our lives. 
that people can see Jesus living in us. And what an opportunity that we have today to share the saving, gracious, merciful, forgiving message of Jesus Christ, the good news, with others. Today, are you ready to obey the gospel? If you are, we're ready to help you. Today, are you ready to live out the gospel? If you're not doing so, what better time than the present? Not so everybody can look at you and see how bad you are, but so that we can say, you know what, I need help too, and I want to walk with you, I want to help you, I want to encourage you, and today we want to lift you up to the throne of God. Are you sharing the message of Jesus, the good news, the gospel to others? If not, will you commit to doing that today? We're about to spend a whole weekend focusing on that. You know, that was started by this congregation. Those of you that are new, that may not have been around. How many years, Dustin? 22 years that this congregation has been responsible for focusing on evangelism. That's not just one weekend out of the year. That is our part of seeking the heart of God. Sharing the message. You go places that other people can't go. You touch people and have the opportunity to touch people that other people can't share. Are you nervous? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Will you share that with us today? Again, not so we can point you out because you know what? We're all fearful. We all struggle. We all need to lift each other in prayer. Whatever your need is to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ today, we invite you to come as together we stand and sing.